Hello, and welcome to MTC Audio Lab, brought to you by Melbourne Theatre Company. MTC Audio Lab is theatre for your ears, bringing great dramatic texts to life with some of your favourite stage actors. Melbourne Theatre Company acknowledges the Yalakut Willem peoples of the Bunwarung, the first peoples of country on which these recordings took place. We pay our respects to all of Melbourne's first peoples, to their ancestors and elders, and to our shared future. In this first series, you'll hear great Australian speeches performed by some great Australian actors. Directed by MTC Associate Director Petra Khalif, these recordings give voice and recognition to important speeches and texts from our history. You'll hear an introduction to the speeches by Petra at the beginning of the episode. Faith Bandler was an Australian civil rights activist. She was a campaigner for the rights of Indigenous Australians and South Sea Islanders. Bandler was best known for her leadership in the campaign for the 1967 referendum on Aboriginal Australians. There are many campaigns for which Faith Bandler was chief instigator and spokesperson, but she is rarely remembered. This is her speech from the Talking Up the Reconciliation Convention in August 1999. Faith, Hope and Reconciliation, read by Leonie Wyman. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people should be aware that this recording may contain names and words of deceased persons. I first would like to thank the Indigenous people of the Illawarra for inviting me to come today. I was here once before and some of those past memories have been stirred with some of you whom I have had the chance to speak with, so thank you. Lord Mayor, Evelyn Scott, Linda Burney and all honoured guests, when I put my thoughts together to come and speak with you this morning, I found a module in my thinking. It was getting in the way. There was a little sadness because I felt the reconciliation program had slowed since 1967, and then the considerable support of those who sponsored racism excused some of their terrible utterances in the name of free speech, and then the terrible tragedy revealed to us of the stolen children. So briefly, I will try to portray my thoughts of these days and the days before. Earlier we thought our efforts were set in stone, but the track hasn't been easy and it was not so. It is hard to say that we have heard and seen recently to hear it without shame and anger, and those are two elements which tend to stand in the way of the planning of good strategies. Some who are here today have lived, breathed, struggled and climbed those ramparts of the rugged past and when reaching the summit have seen the ugliness when looking down. The disagreeable habits of those who close their eyes to the past, the willing ignorance and blindness of other people's ways of life, those who long for a homogenous society where all think alike. But I'm pleased to say that out there there are decent people. They may have different cultures, different political beliefs, but they know there is a need to heal the wounds of the past, the terrible indignities. My learning was rather hard and slow. It took some time for me to understand. When there are millions in the world today who are hungry, millions who are homeless, millions who are without work, 
the wrongfully imprisoned, the deaths in custody, the tortured, the mass murder of women and children? Why in the name of creation our differences should matter? Why is it so hard to find our commonalities? The most commonly voiced opinions of some who are willingly blind is that we focus on the failures and faults and too little praise is given. But if praise must be given, it ought not to be given to the powerful, but rather to the powerless, who patiently bear the brunt of many misdeeds and indecencies. So in the struggle to reconcile, you said, it's about working together. That will mean lightening the burden of the terrible baggage that has to do with our differences. And in the short term, there's a fair bit to do about it. Many have worked with determination, at most times against tremendous odds, with the talk-backed jockeys lined up against them and those who are deliberately blinkered in our troubled relationships with them. They are chained in their stubbornness, but we are free. And if we need to go forward without them, then we must. To the youth present and the not so young, let me say this. This movement should be one wherein we should not ask, what is in it for me? But what is in it for us? The fair-minded people out there can come along with us. None is without fault. None is without blemish. But they greatly outnumber the objectionable and the crude. At this conference, we might ask ourselves if our efforts are enough to make this country a better place for those who come after us. So you, the younger who are present, and those who are not present, have a hard job to do. You have brought change, true, but to eliminate some of the inbuilt attitudes of this society, the task is yet to be tackled. This year, Australia is celebrating 50 years of citizenship. Before 1949, we were all British subjects. Well, some were. It's not 50 years since Indigenous Australians has the right to citizenship. We are not to forget the white Australia policy introduced at the turn of this century. Excluded the peoples from South Africa, the peoples from the Pacific Islands, and all Asian countries from Australian citizenship rights. Non-Indigenous Australians had the influence of the white Australia policy, and those to whom it applied were considered, at times, less than human beings. Thus the Campaign for Aboriginal Citizenship Rights, carried on from 1957 to 1967, was rather difficult. And it's time for us to remember that rights are not handed on a platter by governments. They have to be won. This conference, in its deliberations, will consider land rights in the efforts to hold and protect their land from the invaders in 1788. There were many who lost their lives there were fierce battles and conflicts, and true, there were lulls in the move for land rights. But even in the most isolated communities, the people spoke about their land. For the executive of my council, land rights seemed to be put on the back burner. It was the most poverty-stricken in the whole of Australia, so we had to be careful with what few resources we had. These were the matters that had to do with equal wages for equal work particularly for the black stockmen and other needs like housing, education, opportunities, freedom of movement and false arrests. 
So these problems had to be dealt with and faced, and we had to mobilise the forces to meet those needs. Until 1962, Alec Vesper came down from the community at Woodenbong in the north of New South Wales, and he drove us on to form a subcommittee for land rights. I recall Alec addressing the 1962 Federal Council for the Advancement of Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders Conference with the Bible in one hand and the dictionary in the other hand. And he told us all to get up and fight for land rights. The result of that was that a subcommittee was formed to deal with land rights and Dolce Fowler was the secretary. Ken Brindle, whom I know the Illawarra people will remember with great affection, once complained to me that he couldn't talk about Dolce because all she could talk about was land rights. Dolce initiated a petition addressed to the Federal Parliament of Aboriginal People to reclaim their land. It's a fitting time to mention briefly the struggle of the people for land rights of Mapoon, Wipa and Arakum, particularly when bauxite was found on their lands. We might take strength by remembering their brave actions to combat the mining companies. Jean Jimmy came to the south from Mapoon, and she told us how her people were forced by the police into boats to leave their land, and as they sailed from Mapoon, they saw their houses and their church on fire. Jean Jimmy and her people had an unforgivable fault in the eyes of the white people. They said the land they lived on and the land their forebears lived on for thousands of years was theirs. Friends, what is reconciliation about? It is about promoting discussion. It is about the rights of the indigenous people. It's about those rights being enshrined in legislation. It's about being watchful and remembering, and remembering that governments only might implement and they might not. It's about the violation of the First People's rights, and it's about valuing the differences of those cultures that make up this country. In 1975, the Racial Discrimination Act was introduced. All rights must now be recognised, and it's our job to make sure that they are. It is rare that a government would deliver out of the goodness of its heart, but history has shown that a genuine people's movement can move more than governments. It can move mountains. Dear friends, much pain has been endured in the past, and that pain is no longer designated to hopelessness. It's time to move the process of reconciliation forward with a little more speed. That is the task. If not now, when? If not us, who? Great Australian Speeches was directed by Petra Khalid, with performances by Sharina Clanton, Mark Cole-Smith, Mark Downey, Greg Stone, Leonie Wyman, and Isabella Yenna. Theme music by Clements Williams. Sound design and engineering by Nick Woolen. Produced by the team at MTC. Enjoyed this episode? To hear more theatrical tales, subscribe to MTC Audio Lab or learn more by heading to mtc.com.au.